Welcome to the podcast, Leadership is the Conversation, a discussion with today's top business leaders on topics to keep busy professionals informed. Joining us today is Karen Bradbury, Vice President, Learning and Development. In the studio is Jim Dixon, Ron Kreit, Tom Meyer of Equus Consulting, and I am your host, Rick Ainsworth. A lot of people are struggling with the concept of innovation in its many aspects. Over the next couple of podcasts, we'll explore those ideas with our panel. Welcome, Karen. How do you define innovation in your work environment? Oh, it's such a good question, um, and it is the problem or that most companies grapple with, I, I do believe. Um, but I would define it this way. I think there's innovation with a, um, a small eye and innovation with a big eye, and, um, and, and I think both are needed. And so sometimes it could be innovation, you know, such as just figuring out a better way to do things, being more efficient, being more effective, giving better customer service. It might be a small tweak you know, to a process, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, And then there's big innovation, you know, where it's a big change. It's something that's incredibly creative. It's something that's never been done before, maybe, or never been done that way. And, um, you know, I think of it, at least within my world and learning and development, it's sometimes programs that we create that meet a specific need. And we're doing it in a way that's very creative. It's very innovative, um, you know, and and Mm -hmm. something that we could definitely say we've never done before, but it really hits the mark. No, and, and I like your idea of, of big eye and little eye in, in distinction because that's one of the things that I kind of grappled with a little bit earlier on was that, um, you know, how much is actual innovation and how much is actually adaptation. Right. And, and your, your little eye, big eye concept kind of makes a, a, a little bit better distinction there for me. Yeah. Yeah, when I when, and I've read a little bit about innovation and adaptation, and I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. Right. You know, the mother of invention is necessity, mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes that's what adaptation is. You know, because there's a need, and you've got to either go with the, you know, the changes that are happening around you, or something has to to evolve and change. That that's a great thing too. You never know where that's going to lead. Well, I was I, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about an article that I read that that indicated the difference was adaptation is more out of a need for survival, and mm. true innovation is what really can significantly increase your top line. Right. So, what do you think the best um, example of innovation has been, Tom? Yeah, um, I I'd almost throw it right back in in your court with um, the work that you and Kim Gibson and I did on. Um, the employee engagement survey and making sure that mm. we we keep really good performers with with the career management initiative. You know mm. that we don't okay. typically think of doing career management within an organization as a retention initiative because of, right. because of the topic. And yet, uh, I think it's been a really successful innovation, and it's and it's certainly encouraged the people that have completed that program to say, "Hey, you know what? I do have a future here. We right. can." Um, you know, I, I can be more um, enlightened and aware about w- what I'm really bringing to the table and I can find ways to market that. So right. that, that's one example that's right off the top of my head, back to your point of, you know, sometimes within our, our world, it's programs. That's a very innovative solution to a problem that corporate America has wrestled with for a long time, and that is retention. 
Right. How mm-hmm. do we retain employees? Yeah, we were somewhat um, inspired by what colleges do around um, career resource centers, for example. So if I'm a college student and I want to understand, um, you know, what careers are out there, what would I be suited for? How could I get, you know, how could I be considered for a job like that? A career resource center at a college gives you a lot of answers and a lot of support and resources. And we, Kim and I, and then, you know, bring it Tom and we thought, well, why couldn't we do that? You know, what's stopping us from doing yeah, something very exactly. similar? We even toyed with building like a literal career resource center where people could go. And then we quickly thought, well, that's not ne- really necessary. And it probably would be cumbersome, frankly, you know, in a company like ours where we're all over the place. And, and especially now where, you know, many of us are just working remotely. If you could do something that's, you know, available for everybody, that's going to hit the mark and make the difference. Well, and here was the interesting awareness that that Kim and I have had running the program. What we were after was higher levels of retention. And yet what we're getting from the participants is, oh, my gosh, I'm more engaged. Mm, Like, you know, that maybe the first the first line of defense was, you know, keeping them in the second. And and now we're in a completely different ballgame where people are saying, this is fun. I, I found out through this process, I'm in the exact right job and I'm more motivated to go back and, you know, and contribute um, in, in creative ways, which right. may, may lead to that small eye innovation in, in very small steps in and around the lines of business. And that's innovative thinking, Karen, uh, at its most, I think, because yeah. typically in corporate America, we try, we come up with an idea, but then we manage it internally. And right, and, right. Man, and management, quite frankly, is a very directive process that right. is actually driven by this is the way we've always done it. We yeah. identify a department, we identify an officer. We do well. That's not very innovative. Innovative is trying to partner with someone else, right. you know, that actually may have had some experience <clears throat> at doing it. So I think when you launch that, uh, I think is a good idea, very innovative idea. Yeah. Well, and it's called launch. So that was a good <laughs> tie in, Jim. <laughs> so, good plug. No, yeah. No and pun I yeah, but I was also going to say Tom really, um, I don't think he stumbled on this. I think he knew it all along, but it was a little bit of an aha for me. Uh, the launch program around career development isn't, you know, we're not promising somebody that they're going to get a new job as a result of this or that all of their career, um, you know, goals are going to be achieved you know, right away. But what it does is it helps people to identify what gives them energy and what they're good at. I think it just is that aha moment for a lot of people and it helps them to maybe, um, you know, make even better decisions, even in the job that they're in uh, versus, you know, just thinking I can only accomplish this by leaving this job and doing something else. And, and for, you know, the listeners that don't know the history of that program, one of the interesting things that happened was um, that program was launched prior to COVID and we had to very quickly pivot. And, and figure out how to offer that program in a, a COVID environment. And it's hit an even deeper, I think, vein for people um, yeah. that, that are feeling like they, they want to contribute in more meaningful ways. Do you right. know? So we're even seeing greater um, kind of engagement in the program in, in, during COVID, which was completely an unanticipated benefit. Yeah. 
And and isn't it interesting that, you know, we thought all along that launch really is best done in person and which I still think <laughs> there's a lot of value in that. I'm not sure saying there's not. Mm-hmm. And right. um and this was again out of necessity. Like we had to quickly mm-hmm. pivot and think of something else to be able to still deliver this valuable program mm-hmm. to employees. So I mean that's one that's there are a few things out of COVID that have actually helped us to be even more innovative and to take even more risks that we wouldn't otherwise take. What I like about this example for other people listening, they're going to have different challenges. They looked outside their industry for like, what are other people doing, right. you know, around career? So, and that's, yes. you know, that's kind of one of the hallmarks you, you hear about innovation is that a lot of times the innovation comes from way outside uh, the field you're playing on. Exactly. I, I don't know if any of you have ever been involved in any design thinking sessions sure um yeah so i mean the nice thing about design thinking is that it really forces you first of all to understand you know quote unquote the user or the customer understand you know what they're going Mm -hmm. through what their challenges are and one of the things that i really love about going through design thinking um as a as a way to be innovative is that it often will use different industries like how do you think about learning um in in terms of how fast food is delivered for example, or in, in terms of how FedEx delivers their packages, like it really makes you start to think about things very differently that then will, that, which could be outrageous and outlandish, but also could really speak to somebody's um, ability to get really creative and innovative around how to do what we need to do. There's a great book out there called Designing Your Life. It's got a uh, like a robin's egg blue cover. Mm-hmm. Unmistakable. Can't remember the authors right off the top of my head, but it's um, it's geared not only toward organizational design thinking, but personal design thinking as well. Mm. Yeah. Really good book. Yeah. yeah, I love how, and the other big part of it is it really helps you to challenge assumptions, yeah. you know, to help okay. you get out of those paradigms that we carry with us. Yeah, the mental you models. Know. Right. I'm going to jump back a little bit, your small eye, big eye, because a lot of what we've been talking about, innovative ideas and doing things better, small Mm -hmm. eye versus the big change, big eye. Do you need a problem before Mm -hmm. innovation? I think the answer to that is yes. I, I think there are people that are so radically innovative, they're solving the problem before other people know it exists. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think there. I think we're always solving a problem. I think you know your relationship to the problem, whether you're um, radically innovative enough to to anticipate a problem, or you're more reactionary, which is fine um, in in your approach, and you and you want to be innovative with something that you can clearly see as an issue. Two different two different ways to approach it. And yeah. I think actually more appropriately, it's not a problem that they're approaching. It's an opportunity. Mm. Because there are many innovative things out there like the iPhone that really didn't have a problem to solve. It was an opportunity to fill. That's a good way to put it, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting too to kind of think of it in those in those terms because I think about most of the work we do in in my L and D organization. I think most of it is really solving 
for a, you know, an issue or a problem. You know, a lot of what we're focused on, it's because we do have a need because something's not working or, you know, or we're getting feedback that um, we need to make improvements in some areas. Um, but every once in a while, it really comes about because it's an opportunity versus trying to solve for a problem. So a couple of years ago, for example, we were really interested in the whole concept of um, reskilling and upskilling, you know, versus mm -hmm. always hiring from the outside. And so it wasn't like we had a huge problem per se, but to some degree we could see it coming, you know, and, and also thought, wouldn't that be really a, a great place to be as a company where that we're very proactively thinking about what the skills are that are needed for now and really in the future and that we've got plans in place and, and programs in place to really focus on continually, you know, offering um, opportunities to employees so they can build those skills. Um, it's good for them. It's good for us. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, that's the way we were looking at it. And we're still, this is something that's still really important to us. And, and frankly, it's become an, even more of an, uh, a need um, and uh, something we're pretty excited about. And, and Karen, you, you just, you did a better job of explaining what I was trying to, to get at. Can you encourage innovation around defining a problem and can you put in in place programs to encourage employees to be innovative and, and that, i think that that's what i heard in part of your answer is that you have put in place programs to help that along yeah yeah so the, the program in particular that i'm thinking about is we're thinking about just the skills of the future <laughs> um is something that i see as a need for our company but it would be such a win as well you know for any of our employees um, i'll also say that um, as a company we're always talking about innovation the need for innovation um, the opportunities for innovation and we're always balancing that though with being you know, a financial services company that has to balance risk, you know? Sure, so, sure. so this company and my previous employer before this, you know, also a financial services company, it was just, it was a big question for all of us. How can you um, really promote uh, innovation and creativity, but also do it in a way that doesn't put anybody or anything at risk? And, and that can be a really uh, tr <laughs> tricky balance, I would say, you know, for all of us. Well, and just to thread back to something you mentioned before, I wonder if that's not the value for you in the design thinking um, is being able to identify some of those opportunities for innovation that aren't directly tied to a problem. You mm -hmm. know, by, by bringing in a different framework and looking at it from a different perspective, it certainly unlocks a lot of creativity that might be necessary in, in two situations. Number one, um, to identify those opportunities for innovation. And number two, maybe think about it a different way to balance some of that risk you're talking about. Right. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with Karen and discuss how to encourage innovation and mitigate risk for both the company and the individual employee. Also, join us to continue the conversation at our website, www.equisconsulting.com. <music>